All right, y'all. You know what time it is. This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition. Matter of fact, the 100th edition of Never Out of Bounds. I'd like to take a chance to thank everybody for uh, tuning in to this episode and all the other ones, inspiring me to keep this going. 400 episodes. It was a pretty. Uh, pretty long. Well, no, wasn't even long. It felt like it was a breeze. Actually, we started. I started this in May, and uh, I've done an episode about about two or three episodes a week, sometimes four. Uh, and it's gotten. Uh, it's really gotten really fun for me, and I've I've learned a lot through this process. I've learned about my a lot about myself through this process, and it's been good to reach out to other people and have other people reach out to me and say thank you for providing this information, or I enjoy listening to the information that you provide. That means a lot to me. So I'm going to keep it going. I had initially planned to be on YouTube at at some point. That's still being worked on. Trust me. Do not. Don't think I forgot. At the moment, I'm going to be developing the social media platform, of course. I still have an Instagram in the works, but I do have a Snapchat, so follow that, Jay Butler. You can also find me on Facebook as well. And uh, let's just get right into it with the war on the street. You know how we do, like we always do at this time. Uh, but let's start off in Belgium. Now, uh, Belgium is having a situation with their prime minister as well. Now, with all these in, uh, these situations with heads of government and governments in general in these European countries, the question is going to become, how long is the European Union going to last? But let's get right into it with uh, Belgium here. Now, Prime Minister Charles Michael will resign, and he already has, actually, due to a vote of no confidence. Again, this is a this is a trend that we have been seeing starting, at least in Britain, uh, with Theresa May surviving hers, yet they're going to try to push uh, for another one, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the, the rival parties out there in uh, in the in Britain, in the UK. Uh, now, let's get, let's get more onto this with Belgium. Belgium has always had uh, issues politically because it's so uh, diverse, meaning there's uh, Dutch uh, people there, there's French pe uh, people, and there's also Germans as well. Uh, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's really uh, divided politically and just language wise and just cultural wise so this country is a is a hodgepodge here and then you have the immigrant situation uh going on as well and this is what's leading uh to a lot of these issues in these countries a lot of it is immigration and in uh mostly in the U in the uk it'll be for brexit but throughout europe i would say the rest of western europe or maybe even central europe uh the the main topic is immigration now michael wanted to stay at least until the next election in may but that's not going to happen like i said of course uh, there will be a snap election next month. Uh, the king will also, the king will eventually ask Michael to become a caretaker prime minister. Uh, prime minister, excuse me, which is just a reduced role. I'm pretty sure he won't be. Uh, well, he won't have any type of real authority. Uh, he'll just probably be more of like a, I would say, maybe like a spokesperson. Or, I would say more of like a spokesperson, something like that. That's what it seems like to me. Care when we put the word caretaker on, or maybe maybe a somebody who over, not necessarily oversees uh, the new uh, the new current uh, prime minister, but maybe somebody who kind of maybe gives him a little bit of advice, or just kind of says yeah, or maybe maybe no. But anyways. Parliament will create new alliance to create a new political majority because as of now, uh, nobody has assumed uh, any power or any real, uh, I guess, yes, any real authority within uh, their own parliament. So no, no party has done that yet. Uh, the Nationalist New Flemish Alliance Party that supported Michael has also been disbanded. Uh, this has been caused uh, by controversy when he took a described common approach to immigration, which is uh, basically using uh, the platform which the the uh, e sorry the EU currently uses and also the UN uses, and it pretty much allows uh, for free kind of migrant movement. Again, this is a very nationalist society, uh, just like with a lot of societies in Europe and with the U.S. Is it claims it wants to become will be will be will, i'm not too sure how far this goes but in terms of out here but it's definitely something out here as well nationalism and so this is but more so uh it's really deep in europe so they're really anti-migrant uh not only the you know the rival politicians but also it seems to be the masses as well well some well good i would say a good percentage of those masses uh now um 
at this point, like I said, he's been forced to resign. Uh, there hasn't been a word on who his replacement is yet, but I, I wanted to talk about it because, again, this is this is a really serious pattern I'm starting to see. Uh, there's a lot of dysfunction uh, within these uh, European countries. Their governments seem to be kind of disraveling and or their economies. If you take a look at Greece, if you take a look at Spain right at the moment, uh, if you even look at Turkey as well, whether you want to count that as uh, Central European or or maybe uh, Asian, uh, either or, uh, that country is struggling as well. So it, it's it seems to be a pattern, and it seems to be a, it, it seems to be shifting towards a nationalist uh, nationalist movement on a lot of heights because of that. So I'm just saying, take a look at it for now. Uh, it, it it seems to be far away, but again, like I've said, there is a nationalist pres uh, presence in this in this country as well. Your president is himself claims to be a nationalist. So. Uh, be just be cautious of that be wary of that be aware of that uh moving on we have another important story here now uh, 63 pro uh, 63 professional journalists have been killed uh this year uh that's 15 that's up from 15 percent of uh that's up that's up 15 percent from last year excuse me now the deadliest countries of course are india mexico and now america has reached that list and this is mostly because the murder of jamal khashoggi which still has not been uh, in my, well no has not been rectified uh they're still not trying to you know really you know pursue justice and, and who really did it uh they're trying to be lax on it. and they're also counting that uh shooting at the capitol gazette out there in maryland i did a uh, report about this I believe it happened in august or september one or the other but um it's been a very uh difficult year for journalists and then if you count a lot of these uh, current administrations more notably our own uh, who takes it upon themselves to demean the media or to marginalize all media. Uh, now, there you go. Now, again, I, you know, a lot of times you hear me saying you can die in all these other countries out here. You just get slandered. I, I'm, well, you can die out here too. I've, I completely forgot that I even talked about this shooting and uh, what happened to Khashoggi that that really irks me, to be honest. Uh, but here's a quote. Uh, this is from Christophe Delore. This is the secretary general uh, with the well, this is the secretary general of Reporters Without Borders. He went on to say the hatred of journalists that is voiced by unscrupulous politicians, religious leaders and businessmen has tragic consequences on the ground and has been reflected in the disturbingly uh, disturbing, sorry, uh, disturbing increase uh increase in violations against journalists now that seems to be true uh, i think that goes hand in hand uh you see and now don't get me wrong um now mind you with what i do you know this could be considered some type of media but i personally have no degree in this i i love what i do i you know I feel like I can accomplish, you know, something doing this, but I'm not saying I'm on the level of a, a Don Lemon, but I can see where a lot of these uh, big time news, uh, you know, entities could get, you know, some flack. Of course, I've seen the quality of ESPN drop significantly. I have seen the, the quality of CNN drop, uh, you know realistically that does happen in the quality of what they're doing and i could see you know uh, somebody calling that out uh but when we when that leads to attacking people uh when that leads to the killing and the be in the dismemberment of of individuals i think that that doesn't or, or to the the shooting uh to the to the you know you to the shooting death of about four victims you know i don't think that that's worth it and of course, we're not even, that's just in our country, and that's just our, still our citizens. That's not even including uh, what goes on around the world. And that, and that being including rape, all types of things. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, as somebody who's, you know, who wants to want to get involved in this, I like to, I would like to do this uh, for a living at some point. I understand that there's there's a there's a balance at which you need to do things. Now, don't get me wrong. I've said this before. When I do any research, the minute I look up U.S. news, world news, every other story is about Trump. I could easily make this an anti-Trump show. Why would I do that? My point is to not get to the liberal. My point is to not get to the anti-Trump or the Democrat. My point was to reach out to everyone. 
And I think that's what a lot of journalists, the real journalists, that's what they want to do. That's what the whole point is, because the point is to bring light to something, something that is wrong. That's what that's why Khashoggi's dead. Think about that. I wonder, I mean, at the end of the day, people like Alex Smith, I mean, sorry, Alex Jones and the people putting out that real crazy stuff, that that real conspiracy theory stuff, you know, they might be, you know, taken off the air, but they're they're here. Somebody who talks about the real subjugation of a people, he's dead. There's nobody accountable for that. Peep that. Alex Jones is still here. Jamal Khashoggi, hey. I, I just think it's I just think it's ridiculous. I think uh at the same time, I, I do I do believe that the media holds a certain standard. I, I do believe that. Don't get me wrong. I could easily make this make this a anti-Trump channel because every every other every other news story is about him y'all do know that right you know how easy it could be I could just sit here and bash him for hours and every now and again I, I throw little cheap shots at him I'll but I'll read it be some facts though I would have already been talking about some facts the entire time though and it won't be just including just him it'll be his entire party you know I can easily do that, but that's not the point. That's not why we do this. And I and I understand that uh, with certain entities now, CNN has become that entity, but Fox News has been that entity for decades, where they just pushed conservative and Republicans. You know, now CNN is just getting dragged out for being pro-Democrat. Who cares? We kind of knew that already. Nobody, nobody really tripped in. I'm worried about why people are dying. And another quick news, uh, the U.S. has pulled all troops out of Syria. That is effective as of, I believe it was Wednesday. I'll go over that a little bit later, but for now, I'm going to take a quick break. And uh, when we get back, I'm going to talk some NFL. No Thursday night football. That threw me off. But we're going to talk some pro ball. We're going to talk some po- uh, top seven power rankings. We're also going to talk about the playoff picture. And uh, we're going to wrap that up with three questions. And I want to get into that into uh, Josh Gordon's situation, and we're going to talk a little bit about Martavius Bryant as well. Uh, other topics tonight, we're definitely going to be talking about the NBA. Uh, we we haven't had well, we've had a few games the past couple of nights, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring you up to speed on the past couple of nights. Uh, also, we we have one bit of news here about Goran Dragic, and uh, we're also going to get into the uh, college troops as well. Uh, scores, of course, from the past couple of days. No real news from there, and not a, not a whole lot of top 25 action, especially last night. So, again, I'll be going over the last couple of nights, and also I'll be uh, previewing uh, tonight tonight's action for, uh, for uh, the NCAA and also the NBA. And then finally, uh, the couple more things we got, I'll be going over the MLB we got some free agency news Manny Machado uh, he also he made a visit to the Yankees this week uh, there's a big sign or well, a semi big signing for the Astros uh, the Angels make a signing as well we'll be, we'll be discussing that I have a review tonight y'all I'm bringing one for y'all I got the Ballad of Buster Scruggs one of my favorites Netflix I think y'all ought to check that out and um yeah yeah, that's how we're going to wrap it up. And um, I have some, I have another, I'm going to have a heartfelt moment with you guys to wrap everything up. Just, just to, just to recap everything over the hundred episodes. So I'll be right back, y'all. All right. All right, y'all. I am back. And uh, like I said, the uh, Pro Bowl, it's on its way. It'll be here next month, the 27th to be exact. And we have the selections here. Well, I have the selections here. We're going to go through the AFC right quick, starting with the offense. And I'm not going to be naming everybody, but some of the more uh, notable players here. But we got DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans having a standout year, of course. We all know about him. And the 10-4 Texans looking really solid this year. Uh, we also got Tyreek Hill from the AFC World Tide uh, for the first of the AFC West leading Chiefs. Uh, we also got David DeCastro from the Steelers, really good offensive lineman. Eric Ebron having a almost like a resurgence with the Colts, having a good good year. Uh, Melvin Gordon from the Chargers, and then on defense we got J.J. Watt from the Texas. You already know how he gets down. We got Jarrell Casey from the Titans, and of course we got Von Miller from the Broncos going to another Pro Bowl. For the NFC on offense, we got Julio Jones from the Falcons. We got Tyron Smith. Uh, 
from the Saints. I believe that's an off, yes, offensive tackle from the Saints. Uh, we got George Kittle, tight end from the Niners. Also, we got Saquon Barkley, uh, who I believe is the first rookie running back to go, uh, at least from the Giants, to go to the to the Pro Bowl since the 60s, I believe, or the 8s, something like that. And then on defense, we got Cameron Jordan uh, from the Saints, a really solid defensive, uh, defensive tackle. And then we also got Demarcus Lawrence, a defensive lineman from the Cowboys, also good as well. And then you already know about Luke Keekley from the Panthers. Really solid matchups. I look, I mean, look to be solid. Of course, they don't separate it from AFC, NFC no more. I believe they just have captains split the teams, but uh, seem to be some solid. I mean, of course, this would be like some exciting football. I mean, if they really play football in the Pro Bowl, you know, they just kind of. I mean, but you know, it's a it's a popularity type of thing, and you know, people have spoken. So more or less. So these are the most popular players in the league. Uh, they're also pretty pretty damn good on the football field too. Uh, but moving on, let's get to the top top seven power rankings. My top seven power rankings for this week. Um, at number seven, I got the Colts. They're coming off a big shutout uh, win versus the Cowboys last week. I don't know what the future holds for them, but they're looking to be at least for the next. For the future, I don't know how far they go this year, but at least for the future, they look to be on the uptick, which is good. Thumbs up. Uh, and again, there's a little bit of there's a there is some you know not necessarily controversy, but there is a level. I mean, there's 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 a lot of teams around that eight and five range. At least three teams in the AFC, so it's a little bit hard to find somebody that stands out, but. Because they're because of the shutout win, I gotta go with the uh, with the Colts, and that's why I'm keeping the Cowboys out. Uh, again, I did not like that Cowboys loss. Uh, now, as well, moving on to number six, we got the Steelers. They are eight five and one. Of course, uh, they're coming off that really that good win that they needed uh, against New England. Again, they're another team that I'm not too sure what the future holds for them, uh, but they. They are in the driver's seat to win the, the win the division. They they may fall apart. They may not. I mean, we don't know yet. You're gonna have to watch, see them through. Uh, one thing that I feel like I am certain about though is the Texans. They're currently at number five. I have them at number five, and they're sitting at ten and four. They have a manageable manageable schedule ahead. Uh, they will be going to Philly though, uh, which you know is a road game. You know how road games can be, especially maybe at you know at Philly. That should be hostile environment. Philly might be in a playoff chase, so. They, they're going to probably get their A game there. But as far as the Jags, the Jags are probably just going to lay it down and give them the AFC uh, South. Jags are garbage. Like I said, they're going to – like I, I said it on – they're gonna lay it down. They're gonna lay it down for the for the Texans, and the Texans will probably end up going eleven and five. At the at the very worst, they'll go eleven and five. At the very best, they'll go twelve and four, which would be great for their seeding. Uh, but moving on to number four, we have uh, the Bears. Uh, they are at ten and four as well. They've already won their NFC. They've already won their divisional crown, so they're safe for the playoffs. Uh, their uh, their beef, their defense is the best in the league. I, I'm not gonna really, at least now. There might be a, a better defense in terms of stats, but I'm going to go in terms of the eye test. I like the better defense. There was, to me, I can equate those guys to, to 84. Not necessarily to 85 because they're their own thing, but in terms and, – and, again, just 85 had characters, but in terms of, you know, making plays, in terms of getting the important wins and, you know, you know getting, getting their divisional title and maybe going to the playoffs – I think those team that team looks like one of those type of caliber teams in my opinion, at least on defense. And it's not like Mr. Trubisky is that great of a quarterback. So there you go. That's your that's your McMahon comparison right there. Uh, moving on to number three, we got the Saints. Uh, they're twelve and two. Their their offense, at least in terms of scoring, is has been questionable. Um, that Monday night game against Carolina was a little bit ugly. They're gonna need something more in the playoffs. I mean, they gotta hold on to 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 that. They're gonna to have to go fourteen and two in order to really be effective in the playoffs. At least for me to be really sold on them. Uh, at least going to a Super Bowl because they don't. They're not that great on the road, and you have to win on the road. You know, you. you I mean, there's no guarantee that you. Well, I mean, well, they've won their division. Uh, but there's no guarantee that they got home field advantage, and I I don't think they're that a good good of a team on the road. Uh, but moving on, uh, at number two, I got the Chiefs. They're eleven and three, and uh, defense. Liability. They had that. They had that San Diego game one in the fourth quarter. They gave up uh, fourteen unanswered points, and then the um, 
in the two point conversion. That's 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 insulting. You know, you, you your offense did just enough to give you that lead uh, without uh, without Kareem Hunt. You don't have one of your you don't have one of your more dynamic players, and you're still able to get it done against your divisional rival. You had them at your at your mercy, at your leisure. You could have knocked them out the game at least in terms of competing for your division, and you let them uh, allow them to stay in the mix, knowing that they'll be playing a rookie quarterback this week. You know what I. I was I would I people kept telling me this is this is sustainable this is sustainable I don't see it not without defense I'm sorry you have to have somewhere ranking your defense has to, if you if you want to at least challenge with a potent offense if you're if you want to have top offense like that and really want to challenge for a Super Bowl if your defense is not top if your de- defense is not reaching top 15 then you're not in the ballpark this defense is bottom in the league in almost every stat. If you can't get to the top 15, you're not going anywhere, no matter how high-powered how, how high powered your offense is. I don't care. You can, We can argue day, night. I've never seen it happen. Look at, look at the Bills. Look at the Oilers. Come on now. Open up your mind. It didn't work with the Patriots, did it? Back when they had Randy Moss and they broke all the records. Look at all the records he broke. No title. Damn shame. Right. Moving on. At number one, we have the Chargers. They are at eleven uh, at eleven and three. They are coming off the best win of the week, in my opinion. They are definitely, I would say, in the driver's seat to win that division at this point. They're playing a rookie quarterback this week. As much as I love Lamar Jackson and what he's done so so far this year, the Chargers have a really good defense. Chargers have a potent enough offense, and their quarterback. It has been around the game. I mean, and, and you know, Philip Rivers just might outsmart him. That's all. And it won't it won't be a knock on Lamar Jackson at all. I just think I just think um, you know, Philip Rivers has enough experience that he can get that team through. I, you know, especially and I believe that game is gonna be in LA. So well, that don't mean much. I take I take the home field advantage part back but they have a solid enough defense to win they have a good defense um, in, in LA um, with the Chargers and they do have a potent offense I I don't see how the Chargers couldn't win that don't win that game I, I just don't see uh, unless unless Baltimore comes in there with some great defense as well and I'm overlooking something about Baltimore's defense uh, I think the charge defense is a little bit better and uh, they're just too balanced offensively they're gonna have Melvin Gordon coming back charges on the driver's seat uh, they're gonna have to play the Broncos that's an easy win uh, the Chiefs do play uh, the Raiders' last uh, one of the uh, last game of the year, but if we saw that first game, the Raiders were able to put up some points on that defense. If they're able to get inspired and make a couple plays defensively, they might lose that. Chiefs could lose that division. So, <laughs> you know, it, it could. It sounds crazy, but hey, I've seen crazier. Uh, but speaking of, well, getting out the realm of crazy, let's get back into. The actual playoff picture. Uh, going through the AFC, uh, let's go through the divisional leaders right now. We have the key, uh, the Chiefs. Excuse me. Uh, as I'm gonna just say they're tied with the Chargers at the moment. Uh, the Ch- uh, Chiefs and the Chargers here for the AFC West. Uh, the Chargers. Uh, I'm sorry. The Texans. They of course won the South. Pittsburgh is in a battle for the North with Baltimore, and then we also got in the East the Patriots. They. Pretty much gonna win that one out. Of course, they lost a couple in a row, but it's a foregone conclusion that they get that. Uh, as far as the wild card at the moment, uh, we have the Ravens, and I'm gonna have to put a slash here. Uh, the Ravens and the Chargers, because if the Chargers end up losing the division, they're pretty much gonna solve that wild card spot. Uh, I think they. Uh, have a playoff, so it would be the Ravens and the Chargers playing off with each other. Yeah, having that game with each other. Also in the hunt, we got the uh, Titans and the Colts. Uh, now, the t- the Titans have a mathematical shot. Like I said, we already know uh, Houston's won that division. I think they play the Colts one more time this season, so that'll that'll knock one of them out. Um, so at the moment, we're looking at. Uh, the Ravens and the Chargers for the wild card. 
but it could change. It could change by the by week 17. Uh, moving on to the NFC right now, let's go to the divisional leaders. Of course, uh, we have the Saints. They've won the South, uh, especially with well, with that win against uh, Carolina. Uh, the Rams, they've already pretty much wrapped up the West, I think, about a week ago. Uh, the Bears, they've won. They clinched uh, the um, – I'm sorry, they clinched the North, uh, the NFC North, last week with that win against Green Bay. And then finally, we have, well, at least in the lead at the moment, the Cowboys. There's no guarantee that they win it, but there you go. Uh, as for the wild card, you got the Seahawks in Minnesota at the moment. And then we also in the hunt, we have the Eagles and the Redskins. I, I don't know how the Redskins did it. Josh Johnson won his first ever NFL game. It's, wow, that's how you know the Jacksonville is done. They're going to lay on the mat. They're going to lay on the mat. Or uh, the Texans, okay? They're they're not gonna fight the Texans. No, that's all right. They're just gonna be like, no, that's all right. Just come come through. It's all good. As for the wild card, the Seahawks, they're gonna have a very important game this week. They're gonna have to play. They're gonna have to host the Kansas City Chiefs to hold on to that wild card. Well, I think they could do enough because I don't I don't know if the Eagles they they got enough to to pull something out. Uh, Minnesota, even if they they sneak their way in the in the playoffs, I, I don't I don't buy them at all. I think they get blown out in the wild card game. I have no respect for them. Just saying. Sorry, I don't. Uh, I got three questions for Week 16. Now, what is next for A Rod and the Packers? G Willikers, I don't know. They're gonna need a really good coach though, and they're gonna need a uh, maybe a running back. I think that they would need a, a, a re, to retool that old line. They might need to rebuild, and I don't know if that's something that Aaron really wants to to look at that prospect at this point in his career. Um, there's been there's been for the first time I've been hearing. Now I don't know how I felt about it, um, but in a way I've I've thought about it too. Um, but I've been hearing though, um, just you know at least through the the ether of you know ESPN and those analyst guys that. You know, they're finally saying that they think A-Rob might be done. And, I mean, a number-wise, a stat-wise, I don't know. Uh, I can't say that. Uh, but definitely from a disposition, it seems like he does not really – he's not really feeling it. Uh, of course, the Packers need to read a retool, but does he have the patience for that? Does he really want to go through a, re a rebuild at this point in his career? Like, you know, that's that's difficult to, to see that him wanting – you know, to see him – you know, want to see that through. Uh, but my next question is, have the Rams been exposed the past two weeks? I think yes. I think they play a lot of hero ball on defense. I've been starting to see that. And I'm starting to see that Jared Goff can be, it can be picked off, can be, can, can still be, you know, harassing the pocket, can still uh, throw picks, and he's not perfect. And he's, and those mistakes can call can can cost his team. We saw that in the Chicago game. Uh, one of his interceptions led to the game winning uh, game. Yes, game losing drive for them. And it's just been all you know. He hasn't really been effective for that for that offense for them. Um, and it, it, at least for the past couple of games. And uh, it's it's only it sucks because we're getting this, we're getting closer and closer to the playoffs. And you do not want to look bad like that because well. If you don't get home field advantage, you gotta think about it. You're gonna have to play one of one of these two, one or two of these teams that you lost to already again on the road. Imagine that. Ugh. Well, and finally, my last question is Philip Rivers for MVP. I think that performance last week against the Chargers uh, at least solidified him in the placement right now. At least third or second. Uh, I think he needs a couple more weeks to kind of iron out where it's, you know, we need a couple weeks to iron out how everything finishes, but is he in the top three? Is he, is he worth, is he, has he made it to the top three of the consideration? Yes. Uh, if we're, if we, if we made, this was a cutoff and we're going to going into three for the last couple of weeks. And then, you know, we make our decision. He's, he is that it's be Mahomes, Breeze, and it would be, um, Philip Rivers, especially with that performance again, and if he's able to pull off this AFC West, I, I again, like I said, they are on the precipice, and I would love to see him ride out on top, at least with an AFC divisional title, because again, I do see the mortality, at least in the in career wise. I'm not saying they're you know they're gonna die for real, but in terms of these these quarterbacks, that that generation 0304, they're they're gonna they're they're gone in a few years. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Even Tom Brady, they all say that they're not, but eventually this will be Mahomes' league. This and and that's why I like to see. That's why I like 
I'm, I'm liking what I'm seeing because we're seeing uh, somewhat of a passing of the torch uh, that again, you know, that, and, but again, you know, we're seeing somewhat of a passing of a, of a torch. But at the moment, I think the OGs are like, look, at least Philip Rivers from Philip Rivers standpoint, like I'm going to hold on to this for at least one more uh, try. Give it one more try. Drew Brees looks like he's going to give it, you know, do it the same. Again, I, and it's just A-Rod, you know, in the Packers, that situation is different. But for Phillip Rivers, he's definitely a candidate right now. If we're talking for an MVP, I wouldn't say he's number one, uh, but he's definitely in that mix. All right, y'all, I'm going to take another quick uh, quick break. And when I come back, of course, like I said, I'm going to go over the NBA. I got one piece of news here, like I said, uh, Goran Dragic and the Heat, uh, some news with them. And I'm just going to go over the scores over the past couple of, day, couple of days. All right, y'all, I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back. Let's get back into it. Uh, of course, like I said, I'm gonna go over the NBA uh, over the past couple of days. Of course, uh, it's not a whole lot of action the past couple of nights, as you guys know. The the schedule usually picks up around tonight and then over the weekend, especially with college basketball as well. Uh, but let's, like I said, let's get to the NBA. Uh, there is one bit of news that I wanted to go through. Goran Dragic, uh, the guard for the Heat, he had surgery on his right knee uh, a couple days ago. Now, he will return during the All-Star break around February the 15th. Uh, the surgery was successful, and it looked it took about 45 minutes to complete. Now, Dragic last played um, December the 10th at uh Oh, at Los Angeles, and he only played for about 17 minutes, and he's just been trying to, well, he had been trying to rest off the injury, but it hasn't, it hasn't been working out because he's missed 12 or 13 games for the Heat. Uh, so far this year, he's averaged 15.3 points a game, 4.9 assists, and also he's shooting 41% from the field, so they definitely need his help right now, uh, and they're just... They're pretty much they're a little bit disappointed now, but at least they know uh, that he's healthy. So he'll he'll be back for the Heat a little bit longer. It's it's gonna take a little bit longer than expected. Uh, but going over the scores, uh, let's go over Wednesday real quick. Uh, now the Knicks were able to get it done uh, against the Sixers. Oh, sorry, the Sixers were able to get it done against the Knicks, uh, one thirty one to one oh nine. Uh, let's go over the stats uh, for this one. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, he Led all scores with 27 points, five assists, and also three rebounds. Uh, Kevin Knox, the forward, he had 21 points and six rebounds as well, which is looking like a and it's starting to look like almost a basically a, I would say an All Star season for him, a breakout year at least. And we also got Ennis Cancer, 15 uh, 15 points and six rebounds. As for the Sixers, we got Gene Butler getting 20 points, four rebounds, and four assists. Joel Embiid got 24 points, 10 rebounds, and also three assists and uh, three assists and. Uh, Landry Shamet got 17 points. Uh, the big game from that night, though, uh, was the Pistons and the T-Wolves. Uh, that game went to overtime with the Pistons winning 129 uh, to 123. Uh, the Pistons, uh, they were led by Blake Griffin. Uh, he had 34 points, 8 rebounds, and 4 assists. The forward, Reggie Bullock, also had 33 points, uh, 3 assists. And then uh, Andre Drummond had a solid double-double uh, with 16 points and 16 rebounds. For the uh, the T-Wolves, Derrick Wood, Derrick Rose is having a comeback type player of the year candidate type, you know, situation for me. I love it. 33 points, uh, 33 points Wednesday night, seven rebounds and also three assists. He's looking like Chicago version of himself. And um, as long as he stays healthy, why not give him that award? He's looking really dope right now. I respect it. Uh, the Pistons move on to 15 and four, 15 and 14 on the season. The Timberwolves are looking at 14 and seven. Uh, for the for the Knicks and the Sixers, the Knicks are uh, the Knicks are now at nine and twenty four trash, and the Sixers they are at twenty one and twelve. Uh, let's just, uh, go through the rest of the scores for Wednesday. Uh, the Spurs got it done against the Magic one twenty nine to ninety. Uh, the Cavs lost to the Hornets ninety nine to one ten. Uh, the Suns got an upset one against the uh, the Celtics. Excuse me, one eleven to one hundred three, and the Pacers got it done. Well, sorry the. Pacers lost to the Raptors, excuse me, 96 to 99. And uh, oh, some more action here. Uh, we got the uh, the Nets beating the Bulls 96 to 93. Uh, the Wizards got it done against the Rockets 1 118 to 136. Also, the Grizzlies uh, 
Grizzlies lose to the uh, Grizzlies lose to the Blazers, excuse me, ninety two uh, to ninety nine, and also uh, the Warriors. Oh, they lose to the Jazz. Yeah, I do got some stats for that one too. Uh, the Warriors lost to the Jazz that night as well on Wednesday night as well. Let's go over that one. That one surprised me. Uh, the uh, for the Warriors. Uh, Durant and Curry, uh, they both had uh, about 30 points. Durant had 30, Steph had 32. Uh, Durant will go on to have seven rebounds and two assists. Steph got three assists and three rebounds. Uh, as for the Jazz, Joe Inglis got 20 points, three rebounds, and three assists. And Rudy Gobert got 17 points and 15 rebounds. So a good double-double performance for him. And then also Jay Crowder got 18 points, 11 rebounds, and two assists off the bench. So he had a good night. And uh, uh, the Jazz were able to steal one. Uh, they are, uh, of course, at, they are at 15 and 17 on the season. Uh, the Warriors are at 21 and 11. Uh, I think they did play last night, so I do have that updated score if I took those stats down. Uh, but the uh, the updated record for the Warriors, excuse me, and uh, for for that last game on Wednesday night, the Thunder got it done against the Kings, one uh, one thirty two to one thirteen. Uh, moving on to Thursday, of course, we got the Rockets doing their thing. Uh, they well, actually, they lost to the Heat even without Goran Dragic. Uh, they're currently sitting at sixteen and five, but they lost that game last night to the Heat, ninety nine to one hundred one. The the Heat are now at fourteen and six. Let's break this scoring one down. Um, for the Rockets, Harden led all scores with thirty five points. 12 assists. He also has six rebounds. Eric Gordon had 20 points, three assists, and three rebounds. And uh, PJ Tucker had a good game with 14 points and seven rebounds for the Heat. Uh, Josh uh, Josh Richardson helped them out with 22 points, seven rebounds, and six assists. Tyler Johnson also did his thing as well. He had 19 points and four rebounds. And Derek Jones Jr. helped out with four, uh, 15 points, also eight rebounds. Uh, the Mavs, uh, they are they. Uh, they took an L last night. Uh, they lost to the Clippers, one twenty-one to one twenty-five. Uh, Mavs are currently at fifteen and fifteen, so they're still at five hundred for the year. And the Clippers are at eighteen and thirteen, almost near the top of the West. Uh, but for for scoring, uh, Luka Doncic uh, led the way. He had thirty-two points. Five rebounds and four assists. J.J. Barea had 19 points and 18 assists off the bench. And Harrison Barnes, he had uh, 16 points. For the Clippers, Danilo Gallinari, he had a pretty good, damn good night with 32 points. He had six rebounds as well, as well and he had four assists. Lou, uh, Lou Williams, excuse me, had 26 points and eight assists off the bench. And Montrez Harrell, he also had 18 points and six, uh, six rebounds and four assists. So, um... Let's uh, move on. We're gonna go on to some uh, college basketball uh, again. We're gonna go over Wednesday's night, Wednesday night scores real quick. The only reason because I wanted to talk about an upset. Uh, we're just gonna go over the upset real quick. Uh, actually, let's go through the, the scores and I'll break down the stats from the upset. Uh, so. For the scores, we got North Carolina A and T losing to number thirteen Virginia Tech sixty to eighty two. Uh, North, uh, sorry, North Florida lost to Florida State, uh, who's ranked number eleven, eighty one to ninety five. Virginia got it done against South Carolina sixty nine to fifty two. Uh, number twenty two Indiana got it done against Central Arkansas fifty. Uh, sorry, eighty six to fifty three. And the big upset, like I said. Uh, Auburn, number seven Auburn went down to North Carolina State, 71 to 78. Let's go through the scoring real quick. For Auburn guard, uh, Javon McCormick led the way. He had 14 points, three assists, and also two rebounds. Ford Austin Wiley had 13 points, six rebounds. And also uh, Jared Harper, their other guard, had 11 points, five assists, and 14, uh, sorry, four rebounds. For North Carolina State, Markel Johnson led all scores with 27 points and four assists. And uh, Braxton Beverly had 15 points. And also Devin Daniels had eight, uh, sorry, 18 points, eight rebounds, and two assists off the bench. So a really good game from NC State. I like they were able to score in all uh, different facets. Braxton Beverly uh, seems to have range. Uh, Devin Daniels also was was uh, able to get some rebounds as well and make a lot of different shots. But Markel Johnson, of course, is the story of that game, making shots everywhere, showing range, showing depth. I like his defense. I like North, just how North Carolina State played. I was able to watch that game. And uh, 
I liked it. I, it, I like watching upsets, and it was, that was a good upset. North Carolina State moves on to ten and one on the season. Auburn sits at nine and two. Uh, moving on to the last couple of games for Wednesday, uh, number three Tennessee got it done against Samford, not Stanford. Samford. I don't know where that is either, uh, but they got it done. The Volunteers from Tennessee, eighty-three to seventy over the Samford Bulldogs, not Stanford Cardinal. No, Samford. Okay, remember it. And then also we got number 17, uh, Mississippi State, getting it done against Wofford. Again, a school I've heard of, but I don't know where it is. And they got the win, Mississippi State Bulldogs. Not to be confused with the Sanford Bulldogs. No, I'm, now I'm really going to throw y'all off. My bad. Let me stop. They got the win, 98-87. to 87. Now let's move on to Thursday. Uh, we had a couple uh, – couple top 25 games as well uh let's go through those real quick uh, we got texas tech going down to duke uh the number 12 team versus the number two team uh the final score there was 58 to 69 uh for texas tech their high score was jared culver 25 points six rebounds and four assists uh looking over the game he really was a factor he kept them in the game uh just looked like duke just had a better overall team because hit the next highest score for Texas Tech was Norenz Odiase. He had seven points and seven rebounds. For Duke Zion Williamson, we already know about him, the standout that everybody wanted to get his jersey. Didn't Drake have his jersey, something like that. But anyways, really popular dude. Uh, he continues to impress people. Uh, he had 17 points uh, last night. He also had 13 rebounds. I'm okay with that. Um, it's not awe-inspiring for me, uh, but I guess, you know, he was a big-time hype recruit, so he has to do something, right? Uh, we also got R.J. Barrett, the forward. He had 16 points and three rebounds, and uh, guard Trey Jones had 13 points, five assists, and five rebounds. Uh, Texas Tech moves on to 10-1 and one, uh, for the year and for, for the moment, and uh, we have Duke at 11-1. and one. Uh, one takeaway that I that I got from this game was I did like again Jared Culver was the leading as you can see Jared Culver was a leading scorer from Texas Tech was a leading scorer from all teams from both teams. However, his next best score only got seven points and they ended up losing fifty eight to sixty nine. I told you guys I broke down Texas Tech a little bit for you guys, but uh, they as good as their defense was, their offense is kind of the pits and it it kind of sucks that they had to face duke early in the year like this but maybe it gives them something to look at uh but they definitely had holes in terms of scoring they cannot they don't really have you know range like that they're not a really good shooting team and they don't score a lot of points so that came back to bite them early hopefully you know they're able to ratify the situation because if they're able to get a a, a, a you know a chance to go to the you know the tournament or at least even a conference tournament they don't want to lose like that and again because that's a very that's a very visible weakness right there they only got 58 points you know you know and they're supposed to be a top 12 team and it looks it does kind of look it does kind of look bad for them just being honest just being honest moving on uh we only had two top 25 games uh but houston was able to get, get it done against utah state um uh, 60 to 50. Uh, let's break down the scoring here for Utah State. Dwayne Brown Jr. led them. Uh, he had 19 points and seven uh, seven rebounds. Excuse me, off the bench from the forward spot. Uh, their other forward, Quinn Taylor. Uh, he also had. Oh, sorry, Quinte Taylor. He had 14 points and nine rebounds for Houston. Amari Amari Brooks. Uh, he led the way with 15 points and seven rebounds. And uh, Dijon Giroux had 10 points and four rebounds and also two now again Houston is one of those teams uh well they're 11 and 0 at the moment on the season Utah Utah State moves down to 9 and 3 one thing that I will also say about Houston is they kind of they're just kind of like Texas taking away play a lot of really good defense not a whole lot of offense not a whole lot of not a, their shooting percentages are not that good if you look at a lot of those players same thing with Texas Tech those shooting percentages are all a little bit low for a league for for, for league averages. So, you know, they, and I did talk about them as well. They have a pretty easy strength of schedule. They play in a, a really easy conference. So they, unlike Texas Tech, because Texas Tech plays in a really, what we, we would consider in pretty much college sports, a power five conference. Again, that's a, it's a power five conference is the SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, Big 10, and I believe it's the ACC. So those are the teams that they're going to get the most notoriety, get the most, you know, TV time. They're always playing the top matchups. 
that's why you'll see Texas Tech take a couple of these losses more so than Houston. Houston very well might in this in their season with one or two losses. Texas Tech, they're no, they're number twelve at the moment. They might end up with six or seven losses because of the the competition is elevated between the two conferences. Houston might not lose a whole lot this season, but I don't think this team is built for a tournament run. Just looking at how their offense is going. Uh, same thing with Texas Tech. Uh, that's what I'm breaking down. You, you can kind of start to break these teams down uh, week by week. Florida State. Uh, they they. Uh, I think they. I don't think they played last night, uh, but their last game uh, Wednesday night. Uh, uh, against North Florida, they gave up a lot of points. North uh, North Florida only has five ones on the season. That's something to look at uh, on Florida State's part. Uh, I haven't really gone into a, in a little. I haven't really gone into any depth with them just yet. Uh, but when I do, we'll we'll find out where they're ranking at. Auburn had issues on defense as well, so it doesn't really surprise me that they took that that upset like that Wednesday night. So it's just part of the game. You got to take those lumps, and uh, hopefully you make it through. All right, y'all. We're gonna take we're gonna take another quick break. Well, I don't take another quick break. And uh, when I come back, like I said, we're gonna go over some MLB free agency. We do have a couple signings, and again, we're gonna talk a little bit about some Manny Machado, where he might go. Uh, we definitely have some interest in him uh, out there. They're putting out their fillers. Also, we have an old veteran, uh, old veteran in the game. We're gonna talk about as well. He's he's making his rounds as well uh, for maybe a final run or or maybe just a new a new setting for the time being. So when we come back, we'll discuss that. All right, y'all. All right, y'all. It's your man. I'm back. Let's get into it. I got some free agency uh, signings to go through for the MLB, and it looks like the Houston Astros have made a deal with Michael Brantley. Uh, the the outfielder signed a uh, two-year deal worth $32 million. He also got a $2 million signing bonus. Last year, he had a three, uh, 309 average and a 368 offensive percentage. He also had 17 home runs. He's a three-time uh, three All-Star, all excuse me, and a silver slugger uh, so, excuse me a silver slugger award winner so he can hit uh he definitely hit for contact uh last year with the uh with the indians he has been he has been known uh for his contact for the for his the entirety of his career at his prime which was probably a year or two ago he would hit for a few more homers than that but uh he's definitely still a, a good outfielder he could he's definitely still has touch on his throwing arm so he, they picked up a good value here to astros in my opinion just because of what the a West is looking like right now. There's a lot of teams, well, at least the teams that we know are going to be competing, uh, them, the A's, uh, and even if you look at Seattle, even though they got rid of Robinson Cano, these are teams that can hit. Uh, Seattle has always been a team that can hit for average, uh, and, not and not necessarily homers like, maybe, homers like maybe the A's or the Astros, uh, or maybe the Angels for that matter. Uh, so they're keeping up pace with the rest of their division for that matter, uh, for that. Um, again, Astros have good home run power with Mike Trout, so if they're keeping up that tradition. Tradition, I think the AL West is going to be a a, a action packed. Uh, well, let's talk about this other signing too, because this is also another AL West signing here. Uh, Matt Harvey has agreed to a one year deal worth eleven million uh, with the Angels out there in Los Angeles. Uh, he played last year for Cincinnati after being traded from the Mets. Uh, he had a somewhat okay year. Uh, he finished with a five hundred uh, record, uh, seven and seven. He gave up four runs. Of, well, he had a, a four point five. ER, ERA, and he also threw for 11, 111 strikeouts, which is pretty high. Uh, he does have a notable injury uh, history, though, uh, but he's an all-star. Uh, he's coming off uh, Tommy John surgery, I believe, uh, about a year or so removed, or maybe two years removed. Uh, but again, in terms of the earn run department, he did not look so well, but again, I think that's more credit to Cincinnati not being that good because he did have a high number of strikeouts. A hundred strikeouts for a season is pretty significant. I, I think the seven is the winning record. I mean, the the win loss record. Like I said, the er the era that that might be a little bit more um, more towards just Cincinnati. I think uh, the the, the uh, I'm sorry, the Angels made a pretty big pickup because again. There's a lot of hitting going on going on in the AL West. There'll be a lot of, of runs that are going to try to be scored. That's what that's what the Astros did here. They have a pretty good uh, hitting lineup. They'll have Marvin Gonzalez if they're able to bring him back. They'll also have um, 
Jose Altuve. You already know the A's got Chris Davis and whoever they can get amongst them. So, and you also, like I said, you can all, you also have to look at the uh, the Seattle Mariners, who also have pretty decent hitting. They've always historically, historically, like I said, hit pretty well in terms of average, even dating back to the early two thousands. Not always have the greatest of home run hitters, but as of recently, meaning even last year and uh, subsequent years before that, they've had solid pitching staffs. So that and and they've been in the mix uh, again. This is a team that was a pretty much a lock for second in the in the AL West until the A's decided to turn the lights on and say, well, we're just going to go on this and prop and this run and see the thing about the A's see the A's are always the wild card in the AL West and I'll tell you why and this is being a fan of this team for so long have you ever heard of a fair weather city or fair weather fans related to sports that's a term related to fans who show up really you know when it's when it's convenient when it's nice and sunny out but when it's rainy when it's not so convenient when the team is not that great they don't want to show up the a's are are a fair weather team okay when when they're doing when they've won a few games when they're winning some games you know they they have a solid record or they're or they're not they're they're not necessarily in the mix but people are showing up to the games the weather's nice and they're and they're getting some things together and they just have a, a they seem to they seem to out of nowhere, you know, they win a few games in a row. They get a pat on the back. People, like I said, again, people start showing up again to the game, you know. They're getting excited. The crowd's lively again. They start getting talked about on the radio and local news. They out of nowhere go on their probable run. It's it's every time, every time. The minute they just start winning a few games in a row, ticket sales cut, you know, people start showing up again. Summertime hits, the weather's warm, so you know more people are going to come. Yeah, go eggs. They like all that. Oh, out of nowhere, 15 in a row, they're in the playoffs. Really? And then other years when they're just, they're losing a lot. Nobody, you know, cares. Well, everybody, well, all the players go, oh, I'm, I'm bored. I'm going to do steroids and go gamble. What's that smell? What? Trade me, trade me to New York, trade me to Boston, even trade, everybody wants to leave. So that's the thing about Oakland. When they want to turn it on, they'll turn it on and they'll they'll get to the playoffs. They're a wild card to me, but I definitely like these two signings. Uh, I think they were smart uh, in terms of the Astros. They added solid hitting, a good defenseman uh, in terms of in the outfield for Michael Brantley. And again, uh, the Angels added great depth for that pitching staff, which is already has been already pretty good for the past couple of years. Just fell off, uh, I think. And I think uh, think it, I think they fell off last year, so he's gonna help them out. And uh, moving on, Manny Machado is making his rounds. Of course, his free agent rounds. Uh, he just recently visited the Yankees. He will eventually go to the Phillies as well as the White Sox. Uh, last year, he had a 290 average. And he also had 37 home runs. You already know he took. Well, he was a part of the Dodgers team. The top, the Dodgers team, excuse me, that made it to the World Series. Uh, now there's somewhere I've been hearing somewhere in the ballpark uh, for him and Bryce Harper, somewhere at the highest, somewhere around a four hundred million dollar contract. I think that's crazy money. That makes me think back to the days that I was playing Pony League baseball, and I would get mad and had temper tantrums because I sucked and I decided not to play that sport no more. And I said, damn. I'm missing out on hella money because I was hella immature at the time. Damn. But, well, yeah. But <laughs> but good good look on Manny Machado. I mean, again, you know, you can say what you want about Manny Machado. I think he could hit homers. I think he could hit, you know, pretty decently on terms of, in terms of average. Uh, he can defend pretty well uh, at the third, third, base, third baseman position. He can also play some shortstop as well. Uh, he's very versatile, you know. Four hundred million—that's a lot of money for anybody, uh, for for both of those guys. But if they if they believe that they earned it, and the, and the league wants to pay him, the league wants to pay him. I've been hearing though that he's leaning more towards uh, the Yankees, at least out of the three teams that seem to be interested in him. Uh, there is a chance that the Dodgers could resign him, of course. Uh, but no real word on that. Uh, but again, he is making his rounds, so he'll, he'll have a decision soon. And finally, uh, we're gonna go. Uh, now I'm sure my baseball heads do remember this guy's name, Troy Tulowitzki. 
Now, if you don't, well, he's a shortstop, and he most recently played for the Blue Jays. But uh, we already know about him uh, from my base, from some of my baseball friends, fans. But uh, uh, last year, in terms of uh, his numbers, it wasn't that uh, bad, though. Uh, his wins above replacement was 3.4 last year, which means he added three point, about three wins uh, to that team's overall record. Uh, his batting average was a 255. He had a 420 OPS, and he well, he only hit for 11 home runs, but and on top of that, he only played in 81 games. So he he has been injury prone. Uh, but just recently, like I said, he's been released by the Blue Jays. And now he's uh, recently visited from the Cubs. Uh, recently visited the Cubs, excuse me, and he's worked out for them. Uh, Ten other teams are interested in him as well, though, including the Yankees and the Red Sox. Now, I, I think at this point in his career, he's 34. Uh, the power is definitely uh slipped in terms of home run hitting i still def definitely think he has a fielding acumen meaning he can you know get the ground balls he can you know make the throws to you know whatever base and uh i still think he has those skills maybe the athleticism might be slipping though but i haven't seen too much of him in the past couple of years because you know he's kind of slipped a little bit so we all we all we already know what we're looking at here so i don't think he's fallen off significantly but you know that's what happens with age you know but and i think he does have at least a, a, a year of being in some elite or a year or two at least with being within somebody's rotation at least even a, a championship contender like the yankees or the red sox but from what I've read in a recent article, the Red Sox do not really seem to be interested. But, hey, it looks like the Yankees are. So, he has a home there if they decide to pull the trigger on that. So, I'm going to take another quick break, y'all. And I'm going to wrap everything up. And I'm going to go through my review, of course. I'm going to be talking about The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, one of my new personal favorites. And uh, I'll tell you why. I'll be right back. All right, y'all. I am back. I'm going to wrap this up for today. And like I said, I got a review for y'all. And uh, recently, I, I was able to watch this, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Of course, like I said, it's on Netflix right now. Like I said, you want to check it out. Uh, it's not uh, It's not like a real, it's not like a, you know, one of your typical movies, but it's more so like a, a bunch of vignettes or stories all piling into one you know like a compilation of stories something like that and uh it starts off of course with your man buster scruggs being the title character being played by tim blake nelson of course uh i'm not gonna give too much away uh but what i did like i liked the cinematography of course i'm always a fan of period pieces no matter what time time and place uh ancient history 19th century set whatever you know I, I like I like period pieces or even you know you know recent or you know 20th century stuff like that but just period pieces uh makes it easier for me at least as a viewer as a fan of, of stuff like of movies and stuff or that medium to to visualize what's going on so definitely the backgrounds uh were really great they were set on location uh, well, in those, you know, it seemed to be, you know, well, no city. No, it didn't. It didn't have that studio vibe to it at all. Uh, they seem to be out there in those those environments. The um, the scenery was awesome. They showcased a lot of the landscape at the time period. They did a good job of that. Um, now, there was two there was two vignettes that I did like uh, really, really a lot. Actually, uh, the, the, the thing I, I like the entire thing a lot, uh, but the uh the first one with Tim Blake Nelson of course playing Buster Scruggs he's a gunfighter uh just how he goes in there and uh it seems that you know he has the upper hand on everybody in the town uh but at the end you know he finds his own demise in his own way and uh, the the way that that plays out is very uh, ironic to his situation and uh, I really like the song that they sent him off with he ends up dying and going to heaven and they send a song they sing a song where he does a duet with the man who well yeah he ends up doing a duet to send him out and uh, I thought that was really awesome uh, I, I thought I thought the harmony was worked pretty well uh, the song seemed to fit like again fit the situation fit what was going on in the movie and uh, Again, everything about that movie uh, seemed to reflect what was going on in that time period. In that time period, of course, it wasn't you know these weren't 
true events. These weren't real people. Uh, but the court, like I said, the backdrops were on point. Uh, the you know the situations themselves seem to be on point, uh, at least realistic to what that time period would present. Uh, especially with the situation uh, with the prospector and the the actual the the skit that I probably like the most. Uh, we got the top the prospector played by Tom Waits. Now he. Um, He's like I said, he's been traveling for this a certain distance and he finally finds a spot where he wants to go ahead and dig and starts to mine. And, uh, you know, he waits for a couple of days. He's mining, he's digging his holes. And uh, finally, he comes across to go a good amount of it. Uh, but out of nowhere, uh, the guy that was supposed to be, you know, helping him out, you know, he's supposed to be with him on the trip who we have. Well, unbeknownst to me, you won't know this. Nobody knows this. Apparently, somebody would have been helping him. Um, but. And he tries to do him in, but it doesn't work out. And he ends up, you know what, I'll give this one away just because I thought it was just so amazing how it happened. He takes the shot in the back, and he just basically plays dead. The dude's about to make off with his stuff. He hops back up, and he just beats the shit out of him. And I believe he, yeah, he ends up shooting and killing him dead. And he ends off with all the gold. He even He's even decent enough. That's the cold part. He even leaves a portion of gold for him, what would have been his share. And this cold, he goes, man, you shot me. It's a graze room. It's nothing serious. And he left him a portion of gold and and went off and did his own thing. And I said, wow. And it just, it just what I liked about the entire thing was, again, you kind of get to see the process. Now, again, this is not you know, a certain event in history. This is not an actual person, but you kind of see what the daily task of that prospector would be. Having to get up, digging them holes, you know, you know, going to the sifting of the water with the water and going through all that to find the gold. So you got to see all that. You got to see people, you know, what the trail, the Oregon Trail was actually like. Uh, you got to see the vast landscape that they had to navigate through, and uh, they're like again because there there's different stories uh, within that that whole that whole show. So I thought it was really great to look at. Uh, I personally gave it I think it was like a seven point five on IMDb. I'm gonna give it a nine. I thought it hit on all accounts. You know, it being a period piece. I love the backdrops. The acting was really good. And again, I think they encompassed they encompassed what that era in time was all about, in my opinion. And for that, and me being already like a history buff, anyways, and me being into those type of things. I have to give it an A plus in that. I would say check it out. Uh, James Franco and Leo ne Liam Neeson is also in there as well. Uh, their roles are, you know, they're pretty funny. I mean, they're not. Uh, and again, I mean, even though these are, you know, mainstream or you know, big time Hollywood guys, their roles are not necessarily that prominent. But again, you know, you 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 still respect you know what they bring to the table and they bring in they bring a little bit of depth to each character and you know each story is again unique to what that time period was offering and uh and each of them have their own unique ending uh, to say the least i won't get into the, in the, into each ending and all that but they each have their own unique ending and uh, I, I think you should check it out if you're looking if you're into any type of western movies if you're in any any type of period piece uh anything like that i would say check it out it's on netflix right now again i've given it a nine out of ten it's one of my favorite things i've watched so far right now all right, y'all, so we're going to wrap this up. Again, this is my 100th episode. Uh, this has been a fun process. Uh, again, we started this in May. Um, and again, this has just been um, eye-opening for me just to see what, what type of potential I have or what, what I can, you know, put my mind to. And, um, of course, I had originally planned for this to be on YouTube. That's still, you know, that's still out there. Uh, I haven't I haven't given that up. So I'm just I'm just working on that right now. And again, like I said, I'm getting a social media presence together on top of that. So it's a it's a process, but it's fun. I think it's worthwhile. And I'm not going to I'm not going to stop now. I'm not a I'm not a front runner type of person. I'm not the type of person that gives up when things get hard. I actually want to apply myself even more, especially if this is something I enjoy, if 
it's, I would say more so if it's something that I enjoy, just to be honest with you. And this is something I actually enjoy. So I don't plan on just uh, just giving it up because, oh, I, I didn't get to YouTube yet or I'm not exactly where I want to be at. But it's just pretty solid, though. Uh, I'm looking at the stats and the viewership from this and I, I, I like uh, I'm encouraged every day. So I'm going to keep I'm going to keep with this. And the minute I'm able to get on YouTube, you definitely will be notified and you will be seeing me there. And uh, until then, thank you for the support that I get now. And uh, here's to here's to 100 more, regardless of what they're regardless of what platform they're on. All right, y'all. So I'm going to I'm going to call it a call it a wrap for now. Uh, my next episode, of course, I'll be going over some uh, college basketball action today. We're going to have uh, Oakland, not California, Oakland University out there in Michigan, taking on number 10 Michigan State tonight in college troops. You also got number 21, uh, t- number 24, excuse me, Furman taking on a Hmm, a credible LSU in the SEC, and then we have a, a top 25 matchup with number 14 Buffalo uh, against number 14. They're going to be going on the road to take on number 20 Marquette, and then we have Denver, no, not the Nuggets, taking on number 8 Gonzaga. As for the NBA, let's see if I wrote that down. Yep. Uh, tonight we're gonna have the Bucks and the Celtics uh, take off, and we're also gonna have the Pelicans and the Lakers. Uh, the Pelicans will be going to LA in some Western Conference matchups that I think they're gonna start being significant. Especially we're gonna have the Blazers going on on the road to face the Jazz. That Northwest Division might get closer than you think. Come around All Star, around the All Star break. Maybe the Blazers, maybe the Blazers seat up. Maybe they don't. Maybe the Jazz. Uh, start to heat up and also we got the Pacers uh, going out to Brooklyn to take on the net so we will be definitely covering those games uh, I'll look to have that show for you guys uh, Saturday morning I'll try to I'll, let's shoot for sh- uh, Saturday morning tomorrow morning uh, again I'll have those games for you guys and then whatever news comes up for the NFL I'll also have that again there wasn't any Thursday night football uh, so there wasn't too much of that to talk about uh, maybe we'll just go over some more pro ball uh, some pro ball selections there too. Uh, we can also, do, you know, talk about let's talk about the playoffs too. Let's 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 do some predictions for that. And then, um, yeah, for the NBA, no real news so far. And then for the MLB, of course, we're doing free agency. So, uh, as the as the updates show up, I got you. You already know how we go. How we go, y'all? And um, of course, we got the war on the street. Uh, again, I wanted to go deeper into the U.S. Uh, deciding to leave Syria, what that is all about. Um, so far, that is the biggest news I wanted to get into. Of course, as I find it out, as you know, as we all find it out, I'll I'll report it to you, and we'll and, and if it has already, if you've already heard about it, we'll go a little bit deeper into it. All right, man. This is your. All right, my peoples, this is your man, El Jamal, signing off. Uh, Y'all have a good one. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love. I'll check y'all out later.